Have you been struggling to get the right people to come to your ministry or maybe participate in any of the offers that you provide? Well, in this episode, we are gonna be talking about the tactics that Jesus and his disciples used to not only draw people into their ministry, but draw the right people in. You've got a dream to glorify God and make your mark on the world. Maybe you wanna grow a business, start a ministry, or become a better servant leader. Whichever level in life you wanna hit, I believe that God's calling all of us towards something greater than where we are now. So join me as I document my journey to learn how to grow an online ministry in ways that are effective, biblical, and aren't stuffed with complicated religious or business mumbo jumbo. My name is Alec Hassan, and welcome to the Digital Ministry Mastermind Podcast. Hey, what is going on, current Christian family? It is Alec here. I'm very excited to talk with you in this episode because it's one of those little fancy things where it's like I'm incorporating some like biblical wisdom into um, some like business or like ministry growth tactics. (laughs) And it's actually pretty cool because like just recently, I don't know if you've ever had this, but have you ever like gone to church and, you know, you've had this concern that's on your mind or maybe there's like a challenge that you're dealing with and the sermon that the pastor is doing that Sunday is like about the same exact thing that you're going through. Isn't that cool, right? Like how God works in those ways. But anyway, you know, like those types of moments always amaze me because it shows us that like, A, God is intimately involved in our lives and B, that the truths we find in the Bible are timeless. Because you see, God cares about what we're going through and the life lessons that we learn from studying God's word You know, these things aren't restricted to the time period that they were written in. And as a matter of fact, you know, Jesus's ministry is full of wisdom that can be applied to our business or our ministries today. So in my um, previous podcast episodes, you know, I've been doing stuff where we're talking about ways that you can not only lead a more thriving life, but you can lead a more thriving ministry as well. So this is going to be one of those ones where it's definitely going to be more ministry or Christ-centered business focus than some of the previous episodes are a bit more personal development oriented. (laughs) And, uh, you know, today we're going to be exploring this concept of kind of attracting not just any people into your ministry, but attracting the right people. You know, we're going to explore the best and most timeless ways that that we learn from how like Jesus had identified his quote ideal customers. And we're going to study um, how Jesus kind of brought these people into his world or quote into the kingdom of God. (laughs) So when you look at Jesus's life, you know, we can see four main virtues that have helped to make his ministry one of the most impactful and long lasting movements in all of human history. Excuse me. So the the first virtue is that Jesus' ministry, it was people-centric. It wasn't religion-centric. So, you know, during the period that Jesus started his ministry, the Pharisees and the different religious rulers, they basically created this culture that put religion over people. So what does that mean? Well, this meant that they were so focused on following the rules that people would often be like ostracized if they didn't abide by the strict laws that these religious leaders were following. So there was basically no room for mercy or grace to be entering the picture. But when Jesus came to the scene, you know, we see that he did things very differently. You know, he, he flipped everything on its head at the time. So while religion put rules first, Jesus 
put God's heart and people first. And I have a quote here. Um, and I know you guys have been wanting some more Bible verses. So I was like, I'm going to make sure I put some Bible verses in this one. So we got a quote from Luke chapter 22, and this is verse 42. And Jesus says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. So that's an example of Jesus putting God's heart first. And here's another quote from Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. And it says, for even the son of man came not to be served by others, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. And now, you know, this is an example of him putting, putting people first. So a great example of this is when Jesus was washing the feet of his disciples. You know, it showed the position that they should mimic if they want to follow him. And another example is Jesus going on the cross. I mean, shoot, that's the biggest, spoiler alert, but like that's the big, like one of the biggest parts of his entire ministry. Oh, well, and then him coming back to life. That's definitely the, the more important part. But, you know, like anyway, Jesus, you know, he didn't, he didn't deserve being put on the cross, but it wasn't about him. He was here to serve and he did serve like, like fully. Um, so in our own ministry and business, you know, we aren't to focus on our products, and we're not to focus on the service. We're to be focusing on our customers. You know, we need to become obsessed with serving our people at the highest level because it isn't about giving the customer the things that we like or the things that we enjoy. You know, if our ideal customer would love what we have to what we have to offer, you know, then we gotta offer it fully. And if they wouldn't love it, then obviously, you know, we shouldn't be out there offering it. All right, so that's that was the first virtue that we saw Jesus exemplify, is that Jesus wasn't religion-centric, a.k.a. AKA not product or service-centric. He was people-centric, and that's what we got to do, too. We got to be focused on serving the people. And now the second virtue is that Jesus was solving people's current problems. So throughout Jesus's ministry, people would come to him with their problems, you know, whether it was philosophical issues, medical problems, shoot, even someone dying, you know, people came to Jesus because they saw him as the authority in fixing the things that were broken. Now, Jesus didn't need to think like, oh, what, oh man, what do I got to offer people? I just got to, I, I think I need to lock myself in my room you know, actually, no, I need to go out into a cave and just spend months there coming up with the perfect thing that I can offer people and then they'll buy it or then they'll come to me. You know, no, that's not what he did. You know, Jesus just simply gave people what they needed. He didn't need to really think about it. People were coming to him with problems and he was just solving them. Obviously, he had some very divine powers going on there and um, I can't, you know, necessarily guarantee that we can go around and healing people by uh, by touching them all the time, but you know, shoot, we just gotta help people with the problems that they currently have. So you know, we too should be offering products or services that solve people's real problems. It could be a problem that maybe we once faced and created a solution for. You know, I remember I was young and well, was probably still is whatever. But I when I was a kid, I was very overweight and out of shape and. I just, I was turning to people who were in similar situations who, who got into fantastic shape despite not being 
athletic at a young age. And I began to you know, develop my own ways of getting in really good shape. That's helped me stay really healthy ever since. And, you know, if, if I were to move forward with like creating a product or something about uh, healthy habits and things like that, it would be based on the solution that I created for myself because I know it works, you know. And this could be some place where you start as well. You know, in fact, most businesses start this way. You know, if we encounter a problem in our own lives, we see that there's a lack of a solution and we search for one ourselves. But, you know, by doing it this way, you know, you could view your past self even as the ideal customer. And, you know, by finding people who are going through the same struggle that you faced in the past, you know, you're speaking to people who could really benefit from your help the most. And this actually leads us to our third virtue. So the third virtue that we saw Jesus exemplifies that Jesus was entering the conversations that were already going on in people's minds. So you might be wondering like, what what do you mean by this? Are we supposed to read people's minds? No, not, not, not really. But you know, I think the best way to explain it explain what I mean is by looking at how Jesus responds to meeting the paralyzed man. So in Mark 2, uh, there's this paralyzed man that was brought to Jesus. And the, the Bible makes it very clear that this man could not walk and couldn't take care of himself. And one would think that, you know, if a paralyzed man came to Jesus, then the paralyzed man would want to be healed, right? You know, it makes sense. I can't walk. Help me to walk. <laughs> uh, but what does Jesus do? You know, what is, so when Jesus sees this paralyzed man, what does he say? Jesus says, my child, your sins are forgiven. He doesn't say you're healed. The first thing Jesus says is that your sins are forgiven. So, you know, sure, you know, Jesus said this for multiple reasons, theologically speaking, um, to like, you know, show the different teachers of the religious law that he had the power to forgive sin. But, you know, Jesus could have very easily just healed the man and then forgave the man's sins. Maybe even doing it all in one sentence. You know, he didn't have to, (laughs) he didn't have to break it up into multiple sentences. But I believe the main reason why Jesus addressed the sin first is because the man felt more held back by his sins than by his disability. Boom, you know, mic drop. The man felt more held back by his sins then he felt held back by his disability. And, you know, we too need to be able to enter the conversations going on in our customers' heads so that we can address the real issues that they're facing first. You know, we might be going around trying to heal paralyzed people left and, re- left and right when in reality, all they want is for their sins to be forgiven. And, you know, maybe a better example could be, you know, we might be trying to sell uh, people brooms to sweep up their messes when in reality, they just want a better snack that doesn't create as big of a mess in the first place. <laughs> you know, granola bars, am I right? Ha. Anyway, <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of a lame analogy, but, you know, I, I hope you get my point. You know, to really provide value to others, you need to know what they're thinking and what they're truly struggling with. And, you know, the best way to know what someone is struggling with is if you've struggled with it yourself. And, Now we're going into the fourth virtue, and that is that God became flesh so that he could fully understand us. So bear with me for a second. Yes, God 
is infinite in his, in his wisdom and is able to understand and sympathize with our experiences and feelings. But when God became flesh, God was then able to really empathize with us too. You know, it's like the difference between just saying, you know, like, oh man, I see that you're in pain and that sucks versus someone being like, hey, I went through that same thing. It sucks. You know, it's very, very, <laughs> very different. You know, so Jesus firsthand experienced the temptations that, that come from being human. He firsthand experienced the injustices of the world but he also got to firsthand experience the beauty of what it means to simply be a human in a world that God made. So when God became flesh, God firsthand experienced what we experience, which makes the impact of the cross like significantly more meaningful because it was a solution to the challenges that we face and the challenges that Jesus faced. He, he faced the same challenges. Now, you know, you may have started your business or your ministry to solve a problem that you once faced. And, you know, this is powerful because you are able to empathize with your customers more than someone who hasn't experienced those problems. So, for example, when I wrote the book Planting Your Purpose, you know, I, I empathize with every single reader who struggles to find their calling because, Shoot, I struggled with it too. That's why I wrote the dang book. Because <laughs> I was doing all this research and stuff. And it was, a, it was a very, very powerful season of my life. Which, you know, the byproduct of it was this research that helped me discover God's calling in my own life. And now it's like, wow, I can really help other people do that too. So you see, your journey is powerful. And the feelings that you had are the same feelings that others are having too. So, you know, these four virtues are ones that can take you really, really far in serving others because it's going to shift your thinking from your head and bring it all the way down to your heart. You know, it'll take it from your product, being product-focused to then being customer-focused. So, hey, if you really enjoyed this episode, like if you really felt inspired by certain parts, um, then please, like, that might be a sign that you should subscribe to this podcast or even, hey, if you know of someone who you think would really benefit from this information or any of the podcasts prior, then I invite you to please share this episode or any prior episode with them as well so that they can join us on this journey together. Because, hey, God is calling you towards something greater than where you are now. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Are you a Christian leader looking to develop the skills needed to maximize the fruitfulness in your daily walk with Christ? Do you want to overcome the burden of not living life to the fullest and fully step into your God-given calling? If you do, then you should get a copy of my book, Planting Your Purpose, a 20-day guide to discover God's calling. It's not just another devotional book. Planting Your Purpose is your 20-day guide that will provide you with the strategies, tools, and insights to turn things around immediately. You will learn how to avoid the top five mistakes Christians make when pursuing their calling in life. You'll develop more joy in your walk with Jesus and unlock the secrets to mastering integrity. And by the end of 20 days, not only will you know your calling, but you'll have an even greater sense of fulfillment and confidence in your life. Everywhere, Christians are raving about this amazing new guide to discover their God-given calling. Get your copy by clicking the link in the show notes or by going to plantingyourpurpose.com. That's plantingyourpurpose.com.